Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot shall say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it will not for that reason stop being part of that body. And if the ears shall say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it will not be for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where will the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where will the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there shall be no division in the body, but its parts shall have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Excellent. I like the fact that you respond to me. Um, we, uh, I think you've got the gist from the, the fantastic flash mob bit of Ode to Joy this morning. We needed that, didn't we? And that beautiful reading. Thank you, Victoria, for reading it for us. The, the, you know, we are looking at the whole concept of what it is to be one body, many parts. That's the passage that we're in. And you saw how that, that piece built, didn't you? And the different parts came together to build that incredible piece of music. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, today is, I mean, that, that passage is quite simple to understand on many levels. But for me, this has been possibly one of the hardest sermons that I've ever had to, to prepare for. And I'm a little bit nervous about delivering it. Um, but that's fine because the Holy Spirit is, because when I was doing it, the Holy Spirit was convicting me and revealing stuff to me. And, um, and this passage has extraordinary implications for us as a church. So I'm going to ask you to, uh, to extend to me uh, grace as I speak today, because there are times as I speak today that I may use terminology that might be difficult for you, or I might use a turn of phrase without realising the implications of what I'm saying. So would you just forgive me, because I've tried really hard not to do that. 
This is one of the most hard-hitting passages in the Bible because Paul is recognising something uh, about his culture of the time that is against kingdom culture. And we recognise stuff in our culture which is against kingdom culture. He's recognising an attitude of elitism, of preference, of highlighting certain groups of people and honouring certain groups of people over another. And what he's saying in this passage is there is another way, a better way. There is the kingdom way. He is reminding us that we are all one body and that we all have a part to play and that we all contribute. And the video that I showed in some small way demonstrates uh, those verses. Just as you saw the scene build, first of all, there was the, the double bass, and then there was a cello, and then there was like a bassoon. And then, and then as you watch the scenes build, and like the, the orchestra got more and more audacious, didn't they? Like there was a point where like the, the guy with the drums just wheeled the drums in, didn't he? He's like, oh, I'm going to take up this space. But what happened as they were performing was that they took up the space in the square and they transformed the square with, with, their, with their work. So one or two playing, nobody was really giving them much notice. But as the, the, the band increased, the orchestra increased, as the conductor came in, people began to take notice. And... Um, yeah, people were, people were impacted. Did you notice the, the small children that were copying the conductor? You know, right there in that moment, like future leaders were being, trans, being inspired, weren't they? You're like, they're like, they, they're like, they can see that this guy's got like some stuff. He's leading all of these people. And there was that moment, I don't know if you noticed, there was a guy that just, he walked past and he mouthed the word, wow, didn't he? And I'm just like... That's what the church needs to be like. When people see the church, they need to be going like, wow, what is this? And then we can tell them about Jesus because that's what it's all about. In the passage that we've read today, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. It's like that's the whole context. But right at the start of verse 13, he places this illustration of the body in the context of race and class. So he talks about being a Jew or a Gentile. So the Gentiles are everybody that's not a Jew. Um, and that's most people in this room. We, didn't, we weren't, didn't grow up as Jews. And also he's talking to everyone who's slave or free. So he's speaking to everybody, regardless of their background, their upbringing, their colour, their financial status or their ability. We cannot read the verses about the body without looking, without using the lenses of race and class. And I think often when we've preached on these verses, we've talked about honouring those that do like the jobs in the church that aren't um, like seen, you know, the people that do the car parking and the people that do the setup in the morning, the people that put the chairs out, people that do the clean, all those, we, we've talked about those in the past, I know, and we need to honour all of the gifts that, that people bring to here. But actually, race and class are at the heart of these verses. All of us at some stage feel lesser than other people. We've all got a trump card to play. And as I said, Paul put this into the context of spiritual gifts. And so some of us think, oh, well, some people are, um, oh, what's the word? 
Some people have got more gifts than I have. Oh, they're more holy. They can speak in tongues than I don't. They have words and pictures. Oh, they know their Bible better. And somehow we kind of discount ourselves because we're comparing ourselves to other people when it comes to gifts. But at, oh, spiritual gifts, I should say. Or maybe it's your role in the church. Oh, I don't have a visible role. I don't get to be on the stage. But we compare ourselves to other people. But if we open it a little wider, maybe you feel it's your gender that's against you. Maybe you feel it's, it's, it's whether, you know, maybe you're too rich. Maybe you're not rich enough. Maybe it's your education level. I'm too clever. I'm not clever enough. I get stressed about the whole education thing. Sorry to all you teachers here. But like we, we put these markers on our kids that they've got to achieve this way. And I'm like, but there are so many ways to achieve. Um, that's not the teacher's fault, just to make it clear. Um, <laughs> before all the teachers just suddenly stoned me. I told you that I could get this wrong today. Um, maybe you think you're too old. That's your trump card that you play. Maybe you think you're too young, and that's the trump card that you play. Or maybe you just think you're too middle-aged. You know, bottom line. Maybe it is your colour. I'm too black. I'm too white. I'm too brown. Um, everybody in this room will have a card they could, they, could, uh, they could play. Too old, too young, too white, too black, too fat, too thin, too clever, too short, too tall. And when we play those cards, these trump cards, what we do is we remove ourselves from what we're actually called to do. We remove ourselves from playing our part in the body. We, all of us have got gifts and talents that we can bring to the table and we can exercise those God-given gifts, talents and abilities. And together we create something beautiful. Or, put it another way, when we play those cards, we are lying to ourselves. Because what that says is, I don't belong because I don't fit in. And in God's kingdom, that cannot be true. It can't be. Because Jesus died for you. He died for you so that you could fit in. He made you fit in. He qualifies you. The opposite thinking is even more dangerous because the other lie that you can buy into is, Oh, they don't belong because they don't fit in, because they're not conforming to our way of doing things. And I don't think anybody actually consciously thinks that, but I think unconsciously that happens an awful lot. It's an unconscious bias, and we as the people of God absolutely have to work really hard at recognising this and working to resolve it. And we do this with the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit who helps us see things. He highlights the blind spots in our lives. So this is a passage on diversity. And often when we speak about diversity, we focus on the issue of race, which is indeed one aspect of diversity. But actually in this passage, Paul is also referring to our economic backgrounds, or what you and I would call class. I'm mostly going to focus on the aspect of race today. But the principles that I'm sharing can be shared right across the board. And we need to get this right. We need to be able to model something well. We as a church need to be able to uh, lead on what it is to model diversity incredibly well. We don't want the world to lead on us. We've got something. The, w the way that I can describe it to you is the world is really good at talking about diversity. The world is really good at coming up with policies and tick box exercises and things that you must do and making sure the optics look good and all of those things. 
And yes, great, they're leading on that. But actually, I think that we as a church have got way more to offer than a, a plan and a, 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 like a, a policy. What we've got to offer is Jesus who gives relationship and relationship with one another. And it's our hearts that are connecting with one another that transforms community, not a tick box exercise. That's just pleasing someone else, not pleasing God. Was there a round of applause there? <laughs> yes, I'll take that. <laughs> um, now I'm distracted. Um, the church has been giving an incredible message to share with the world. The message of Jesus Christ, whose love conquers sin. He wipes out shame. He heals wounds, reconciles enemies, patches broken lives. And this radical message of transforming love has been given to the church. And we need to get this right for the sake of the world, and especially in the area of race. So for the purposes of this message today, I'm going to use some shorthand. This matter is complex, and in the, in the short time that we've got, I'm not going to be able to do this matter justice. This is a conversation that we need to keep having. But I'm going to use some... I uh, also need to explain that there's things that have happened to me in my world that hasn't happened to anybody else and that's my experience and my experience alone so when I share and so there'll be countless viewpoints here um, so I'm not trying to uh, also uh, take away from anybody else's experience just to say that it's my experience alone however I'm going to use the words today um, black and when I say black I mean people who would identify as black. So people from African nations, Caribbean nations, people who are dual heritage, um, they would consider themselves black. I'm going to use the words white. And when I say white, it's not just people from the UK, but European, um, people that would identify as, as white. And then I'm going to use the word Asian. And Asian doesn't just mean India, but it's much wider than that, Japan, the Philippines. And I apologize right now because I know that I have not said every nation of the world. So if I have not said your nation, I am so sorry, but it would take me all morning to list all the nations of the world right now. So I am just using those three as a shorthand, black, white, and Asian. And so, um, for a little bit of background, when I arrived at this church just a little over a year ago, and I came in and I was like, wow, this is such a cool church. Look at the diversity in the church. Like, I was really impressed with it. Now, you've got to understand, so for those of you that don't know, I've lived in London most of my life. And so, London is really diverse. So, I came here and was like, oh, Ashford's not so different to, to London. I visited two or three times, and then we agreed that we were going to move, and then we moved here. And this is what I discovered, that Ashford, the town, is not as diverse as the church is. A little bit of a shocker. And so, yeah, you're all laughing at me because you all knew and you didn't tell me. <laughs> but um, I actually looked up some census figures. And so this is the latest census, the, the one that we did last year. And it would say that 12% of Ashford, I've rounded the figures up a little bit, 12% of Ashford would identify as something other than white. Um, which for me is a huge shock because I lived in Croydon for the last 22 years. And in Croydon, 52% of people identify as something other than white. And so from 52% to 12%, it was a little bit of a, a culture shock for me, uh, more than anything else. 
But here's the thing. At Gateway Church, it's incredibly different. I did a little kind of uh, figuring out this week. And I think I worked out we are around 27% of people who would say that they are from a different nation. I find that quite exciting because what that means for us as a church is that we are uniquely placed to learn something in here that we take into the world that could transform the world. We've got something in here that is not a policy but a heart issue and we can be transformed by God in a deep love for one another for, for the community. So what I've just got up here is another graph. Um, and this one just shows the, the census figures from 2011 to 2021. So you can see that there is a growth from in the area of people who are coming into the community who would identify as not necessarily white. And so it's really important for us as a church to get this right, because if this trajectory continues, and it will do, um, we need to be at the forefront. We need to be on the front foot of being able to model this well as we receive more and more people from different nations, different places, different heritages, different backgrounds. We need to be able to serve well. So what does this look like and how do we achieve this? I think the key is in this passage. Anyone who may feel weaker or unpresentable, those people who have been dishonoured in the world need to come into this, into this building, into this church, be part of this family, and they must be honoured differently. In fact, they deserve greater honour. No one should be on the fringes of our church without us including them, regardless of age, gender, class or colour. And if we truly understood the meaning behind this passage, we'd contend for fighting to show the beauty of diversity. As Christians, we, need to we actually need to believe that everybody matters and that everybody needs to be included. And why do we need to include other people? Well, it's simply this. Jesus didn't hang out with the marginalised. Shocker. What he did was he changed the margins. So Jesus came into this world and all the clever people, the rich people, the teachers of the law expected Jesus to hang out with them because, well, they've got the stuff. They've got it all. You know, they've got the nice house. They've got the, they've got the education. But what Jesus did was he hung out with the people that nobody hung out with, the lepers, the poor, the sick, the lame, the outcast. He changed the margins. He took what was considered the margins, and he, he, he hung out with the people that everybody else rejected. He made the rich people the margins. Whoa. It's like he just completely changed it all. He messed it up. There are no people groups on this planet who do not matter. Everyone needs to be included in our circle of honour, regardless of colour, class, gender, popularity, giftedness, or personality. We are to lift others up because God in Christ lift, included you. If I'm brutally honest, I've experienced more racism directed towards me in Ashford than I ever did 
in the whole of the time I lived in London, which was all of my life. So in the one year that I have lived in Ashford, I have experienced way more racism. That's shocking, isn't it? And, and I did a long time in London, let me assure you. Um, and some of you, if I share some of those stories over the last year, some of you would be like, you'd be shocked, you'd be upset. You'd be, you'd be angry on my behalf, I know that. But then there are others of you who in this room have experienced way worse than I've ever experienced. There'll be others of you that have, will be like, Jazz, that's nothing. This is what happened to me at work. This is what happened to me at school. And you know what? I would cry with you. And I would be upset and angry on your behalf. People in this world who are a little bit different, a different colour, different whatever, different backgrounds, have experienced horrendous things happen to them in the world. Let the church not do that. When people come in here, they experience the most incredible sense of love and acceptance. And so how do we do this? I need to give you some practical takeaways. I've got it in really fast as well. <laughs> Just look to the time. First of all, feelings. We need to be honest about our feelings. Perhaps you have been dishonoured and you need to work through a process of forgiveness. Or perhaps you are the person who hasn't outwardly done anything you don't know, you, you think you haven't done outwardly anything, but actually in your heart, you know that you're holding back. You're like, well, I can't possibly talk to that person. I'm not going to understand them. Or I've forgotten their name. Or, you know, all of those things. We need to actively choose to engage with people who don't look like us. And that's a challenge for us as a church because we naturally gravitate, even within the church, we naturally gravitate towards people that are like us, who are in the same stage as us, who look like us, who we can chat to easily. But you know what, church, this morning, I'm going to challenge you. Say, move out of those, move out of those groups. Whether you're black or white or Asian in the room, move out of those groups. Talk to people that perhaps you wouldn't talk to on a Sunday morning ordinarily. Start a relationship. And, um, yeah, that's a bit awkward, isn't it, sometimes? You might have some awkward conversations over coffee today. But I'd rather have the awkward conversations of coffee today for trying than not have them at all. And, um, and we kind of need to get past our own stuff a little bit. And I also don't mean change your personality. If at the end of the day you are a raging introvert, I am not asking you to add more people into your world. But I am asking you to look at the condition of your heart. And I am asking you to ask God and seek God, is there something in me that stops me from building a bridge with someone who doesn't look like me? When we begin to build those bridges, when we begin to build that community, we gain in terms of depth and understanding. We see more facets of God as we embrace different cultures. If you're not from here, you're forced to embrace the British culture. Um, and, but please don't let that stop you from, you know, don't let that be a hindrance to stop you from embracing it even more. When I, um, when I start a friendship with someone from a different background, to me, I open myself up to discover something more of God. Because God isn't just English. 
God isn't just white, it's okay. And so he reveals more of himself when I engage more in, in to, you know, I choose to step in with other people. I actually feel uniquely privileged because, because of my Indian culture, my Indian heritage, because I, I can't, when I read scripture, I can't help but read it through the lens of being Indian. And being Indian, there are lots of overlaps between my understanding and the Middle Eastern understanding of where Jesus grew up. So I have some understanding when I read scripture. And often when I'm preaching, I share those insights with you because like, that's part of my DNA. You can't read scripture without understanding using your lenses. But then we share all of that information and we grow in the things of God. One of the things that I do love is different languages, and it's all right because God speaks more than English. And you know, when we have a prayer meeting, if you speak, if, if English is not your first language, it's okay to pray in your language. I'd love to hear it. We'd all love to hear it. You know, just pray out because God understands. You're not praying to each other. We're praying to God. It's God that changes things. We don't change things. So can I encourage you to like bring your voice to the table? We want to hear it. There are lots of other things that we can do. We can widen our influences. We can choose to be friends from other people from other cultures. We can choose to read different kinds of authors. We can choose to even watch films with subtitles and learn about culture that way. All of those things that we can do. I'm trying to give you some practical takeaways. But the bottom line is that we as a church must step in. That we as a church must be at the forefront of of race and diversity and being able to say, no, I am going to contend for this. I'm going to push for this. This is a heart matter. I'm going to be in relationship with people so that the community that we live in will be transformed. Let me pray. Father, you are so good and you are so kind. And we love you. And we love you because you, Jesus, included us in your world. We love you because you accept us exactly as we are, regardless of our age, our colour, our background, our advantages, our lack of advantages. You, Father, have called us into a relationship with you and placed us in a family. And I thank you for this family. I thank you for Gateway. I thank you that you've placed us in this incredible a position where we can learn how to deeply love one another. And Father, I speak out a blessing just over us as a church, that we would be a, a people who deeply prefer one another and can model to our communities what it is to, to love and to prefer, to raise and to honour, to lift up. Father, give us grace to understand, give us grace to hear, give us grace to see. Father, cause us to be a people that love. Holy Spirit, come and help us, I pray. Father, if there's anything in us, would you highlight our blind spots? Would you show us where we've got a problem? Father, would you help us to work that out? That we would be a people that grow in you day in, day out. Amen.